Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How are you doing today? It is so good to be joining you right now. I want to welcome all of our campuses, our Franklin campus, our Banta campus, our Garfield Park campus is open today, and everyone here at the Greenwood campus. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I also want to welcome everyone watching online, whether that's in central Indiana or across the country or, or even across the world. We want to thank you. Uh, hope today's message, message will be a blessing to you. We are actually wrapping up a series today on prayer. Our series has been called A Call for Help because that's what prayer is. We call out to God for help. And we've been looking at and following along this book written by Pastor Pete Gregg. He's a, a pastor in England. And the reason we look to this book as kind of a guide for this series is because it was so clean. It was so simple. It was so easy. He actually gave us an acronym, P-R-A-Y. We've just been using that little acronym to kind of work through a simple pr uh, plan for prayer. Why are we talking about prayer? Because prayer is at the heart of a growing relationship with God. As we grow in our prayer life, we actually grow closer to God. And, and it's, but even though that's true, it's a struggle for some of us to pray. We have the wrong perception of God. We've tried prayer before. We're not sure that it works. We don't really know what to say to God. Why should we even ask things when he knows what we need? There's all sorts of uh, obstacles and struggles when it comes to prayer. And that's why we're doing this series. So in the series, if you've been paying attention at all, we, we talked about the P that is pause. We want to pause and let all the noise in our mind and heart settle down. We want to let go of control. We want to let go of the false self and, and hear God call us our, our, what is most true about us, which is son or daughter. You can go back and listen to that talk if you missed it. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the R, which stands for reverence. This is what Jesus meant when he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? That simply means, God, we want to make your name holy. We want to give you a unique place in our hearts that your care character and nature both deserve and demand. That's a mouthful. We said the word reverence kind of sums that up. It simply means, Lord, we're going to fear you by reflecting on what you've done, who you are, and we're going to remember your love. That was two weeks ago. Then we talked about the A, which was last week. We get hung up on the A. We don't like to ask for ourselves. We're fine praying for other people, but when it comes to praying for ourselves, like, oh, isn't that selfish? Like, doesn't he know what I need before I ask? Man, I tried before and I prayed for something he didn't answer, right? And so we talked about that last week, gave you some simple practical guidelines on how to ask, to ask in faith, to turn away from sin, and to forgive before you even approach with asking. If you did not catch that, I assure you it's incredibly practical. Go back and watch that today. Today we are closing out with the why. P-R-A-Y. What does the Y stand for? Yield. Yield. A yield sign. Everybody can see or picture a yield sign in your head. Can you not? Let's talk about yielding. <clears throat> the prayer that Jesus gives us 
It's not the Lord's prayer, it's our prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first ask out of his mouth that he tells us to ask for is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Listen to these words. Some of you haven't memorized. You grew up as a little kid memorizing them. Your kingdom come, say it with me, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is done where? In heaven. We pray this prayer. We know this prayer. We recite this prayer. I'm not so sure we really know what we're praying. There is a lot here. There are significant reasons why Jesus tells us to pray this particular part of the prayer. Let me explain a little bit of what I believe Jesus meant by kingdom. A kingdom. Or, for the ladies, a queendom. Okay? What is a kingdom? What is a queendom? It's a, it's, it's a territory where, where you have influence. That's all that a kingdom is. You have influence over a certain area. That's a kingdom. Okay? If, if, you're, a, if you're a lion, it's your pride, you know? <laughs> Okay, anyway, um, if you're a dog, it's your backyard. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's your, it's your territory. Like my dog is like, if you come close to his territory, he's going to, you know, it's a kingdom. Okay. Now, another thing about kingdom is that there's a, a, a will, a desire or intention of the king or of the queen. It's not just the territory they have influence over. It's, it's this area where what they say goes. That's the nature of, of a kingdom. So when Jesus says, here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God's kingdom would come to earth and that God's will would be done on earth as it is done in heaven. What he's essentially saying is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to basically pray that God gets his way everywhere. On the planet. It's another way to say the prayer. Right. Why does Jesus tell us to pray this prayer? Two reasons. You ready? First one is, it's not happening. It's not happening. In this country, you turn the news on this morning, last night. There's riots, there's looting, there's violence. People hurting people. Last couple of weeks, we've seen people die in the streets, in the cities, in our nation. Is that God's will? Would you say that's God's will for that to be happening? It's been going on for hundreds of years. Anger, hatred, violence, racism. He tells us to pray this prayer because it's not happening. Now, it's happening in pockets here and there, and there's reconciliation, and there's certain people working towards healing, and there's... There's good things happen, but it's not. In, there's no epidemic of God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you agree with this, yes or no? That's the first reason he tells us to pray this prayer. <clears throat> the second reason is, is that he wants you involved in the process. Do you think that God could eliminate hatred and racism and murder and rape like that if he wanted to? Yes or no, do you believe that? I hope you do. And one day he will. But we live in this window of time where he's allowing evil to exist and Satan to exist and the, the kingdoms of little queens and kings run rampant all over the earth. One day he'll fix it all, but not yet. 
In this little window of time that we call existence, we have this prayer because it's not happening and he wants to include you. Last week we talked about how prayer actually gives you and I the dignity of causality, meaning that we get to be part of the solution. That's why he tells us to pray this prayer. This isn't just something we recite because we learned it as kids. This is something that we do. This is something that we participate in. God says, I want to partner with you to bring about my will on earth as it is done in heaven. Did you know that you were created to rule? Did you know that? That you yourself were created to be in charge. Some of you are like, yeah, I feel that. I've felt that way ever since I was in middle school. (laughs) Even before that. Well, it's because God has wired you up that way. He's wired me up that way. Like we're created to rule. Before, before everything got messed up with the human race in Genesis chapter 3, that's when the snake slithered into the garden and lied to Eve and she bit the fruit. And then the knucklehead Adam, he ate some too. Remember that story? Before that all went down in Genesis 1 where everything was perfect and there was no sin and no shame and no guilt and no hatred and no murder. God creates Adam and Eve, and I want you to hear what he says to them. It's very important that we understand God's original intent for humanity. Genesis chapter 1. Then God blessed them. Who's them? Adam and Eve. And this is what he said to them. Be fruitful and multiply. Make lots of babies. Lots and lots and lots of babies. So many babies that you fill the earth. That's a lot of babies. Do you agree? multiply, fill the earth. And here's what I want you to do, Adam and Eve. I want you to, say it with me, govern it. Come on, nice and loud. We got, you're here. You might as well talk to me. Come on. Govern it. Don't just make babies. I want you to, you know what this word means? It means to lead it, to, go, to bring it under your authority, to rule it. And he doesn't stop there. I want you to, watch this, reign over the fish and the birds and all the animals that scurry along the ground. You know, the chipmunks and the squirrels. Rule, reign over them. Then he says to Adam, and I want you to have the total freedom to give them any names you want to name them. Zebra, that's fine. Camel, great. Platypus, decent. You know, But you have total authority to call them whatever you want to call them. Hippopotamuses, octopuses, whatever, whatever. You, Adam and Eve, are in charge. I'm going to delegate authority. You were created to rule and to reign. God's original intent was to co-rule the earth with humanity. It's why he created you in the first place, which is a very important thing for me to say today because you can turn the news on today and watch all of the things that are going on in our world and the hurt and the pain and it's so discouraging and the hatred and the anger and all these things that are going on and you can sit back sometimes and sometimes I even feel this way. It's like, what's the point of it all anyway? If we're just gonna hate on each other and kill each other and hurt each other and why exist anyway? You better have an answer to that question. The reason God created us, the reason why we exist as opposed to not existing is to have this co-reigning, co-ruling partnership with God and it was supposed to be beautiful and we were supposed to bring about wonderful things and good things in love and mercy Justice with integrity and truth, that was God's original intent. And then in Genesis 3, it all got screwed up. When Satan came in 
as a snake and lied to Adam and Eve. And God's original plan, his original intent to rule together with us was corrupted by the curse of sin. Shame enters, guilt enters. One of Adam and Eve's sons kills another one of Adam and Eve's sons. We get the first murder. It wasn't supposed to be that way. Nevertheless, <clears throat> we're still wired to rule. Just because sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3 and death by sin, corruption and pain, anguish. Just because sin enters the world doesn't mean we lose our desire to rule and to reign. Now we just decide to rule and to reign, pardon me, without God. That's the curse of sin. So what you look at when you look at humanity is men and women, kings and queens, taking charge, trying to govern, whether that's in a school, whether that's in a church, whether that's in the government, whether that's in a law firm, whether that's in the post office, whatever organization it's in, whether it's in the police department, what you're looking at is men and women who are still wired to rule and reign and make decisions and take charge, but now they do it without God. And the end result is human destruction. And that is exactly what we're seeing in our world. If you've ever studied anything about World War II, what is World War II? It is the end result of essentially one single man in Adolf Hitler trying to rule and reign without God. And there was hell to pay. 50 million to 70 million people died in a six-year period. This is the human experience. Where does it come from? What's the answer? Why is it like that? Where does racism come from? Where does hatred come from? Where does mass murder and genocide come from? It comes from humanity, human beings trying to rule and govern without God. Is this making sense? Somebody talk to me. When humans rule without God, there's hell to pay. And we are living through it right now. So in light of all of that, and I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer or, 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 or discourage, I don't want to discourage anyone, I'm just trying to define reality here. In light of what I just said, which I believe is absolutely true, now let's look back at the prayer. Your kingdom come, because we have screwed it up. Our little kingdoms and queendoms are ruling and reigning. We have messed up the world. So what we need is your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth where we live as it is done in heaven. Do you see how this is not really a prayer? This is not a prayer. I mean, it is a prayer, but it's not a prayer. It's much more than a prayer. You know what it is? It's a, it's a path. It's a strategy. It's a path back to God's original design in Genesis chapter 1. To co-rule and co-reign with God. To bring about justice and goodness and blessing to the world. It's not a prayer. It's a path. Jesus turns this prayer in a few verses later in the Sermon on the Mount 
It's so important to understand verse 33 because we've heard it maybe if you've been a Christ follower for a while, but we have to understand what it means. He turns the prayer into, into an instruction. Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God. Don't just pray for it to come. Now I want you to look for it. I want you to discover it. I want you to align with it. I want you to find it. Seek it after it. Above everything else in your life, before you seek a spouse, before you seek the right college, before you seek a bigger house, before you seek a different job, before you seek to start a family, before you seek a raise, seek above all else the kingdom of God and live righteously, live according to the principles of the kingdom and trust me, all else will be added to your life. I'll take care of everything you need. This is one of the most important things Jesus ever said. Because it's a path back to the original design, living under the leadership of God, co-reigning with God. He's the ultimate leader. I lead on his behalf. You lead on his. It's not about my kingdom being advanced. It's about his kingdom. It's not about my will being done. It's about his will being done. And this is the crux of the matter, isn't it? We all have little kingdoms and queendoms, even if, even if the extent of your kingdom is your bedroom. That's where, that's the range of your effective will, where what you say goes. What color is the paint on the wall is going to be? Right? Us men, we struggle with this. We don't get our own bedrooms, us married men. Our, the range of our effective will is not our bedroom, right? That's why it's purple. And there's no pictures of Michael Jordan on the wall. I got to do that in the basement. The basement is my kingdom, not my bedroom. That belongs to my wife. That's the... The range of her effective will, where what she wants goes, right? We all have a, a little kingdom. And the fights and the arguments and the problems with humanity is when those kingdoms clash. I want this. I want that. You're on my territory. You're on my, I call the shots in this space. You call. This is my turf. And little human kingdoms clashing. Isn't that what we saw on the horrific video this week? with the police officer and George Floyd. Kingdoms clashing, egos wounded, who's in charge, who didn't submit, who's gonna exercise authority, not according to God's plan, but according to man's plan. And what's the end result? A man who is not even resisting arrest dies. But that happens in my house. Not as severe, but there are kingdoms clashing in my home. The other day I was, I had a plan. I was coming home from work and it was about 5.30 and I was like, okay, I've got this plan. I'm going to go in the basement when I get home and I'm going to work out and I'm going to do about a 30 minute workout. I'm going to get all jacked and pumped and feel good about myself, you know, look in the mirror. And then I'm going to come upstairs and my, my wife's going to have dinner ready and we're all going to sit down as a family. We're going to have this great family meal. And then I'm going to shower and then I'm going to, you know, go out on the back porch and relax and maybe, me, and then after that watch, a, you know, Netflix, you know. And I had this plan in my head. Anybody ever get a plan in your head? And you're like, oh, that'll work. Well, then I walk in and, and you know, it, it just, all my plans get dashed. <laughs> Thwarted. I like that word. <laughs> 
I walk in and, and I see dinners like getting, getting ready to be put on the table. And I'm like, what's going on? And my wife says, well, you know, I have an appointment at 6.15 and I've gotta, we've got to eat now. And I'm like, oh, well, I was going to work out. Well, we have to eat. Okay. I guess we'll do it your way. I mean, you know. So now I sit down and, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, licking my wounds, you know. And I look over at my, one of my sons, and he's doing this, number two. I'm like, well, what's your problem? He's like, well, you know, my other son, he took the minivan today. I was like, oh, you know, what's the big deal? There's two cars. There's a, he should have took his own car. It's not his car. It's my car. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I threw my AirPod at him. So my other son walks in. He's laughing. Ha, 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 ha. I took the main. Why'd you take the van? Well, my other car was parked in, you know. And there, and there, what it, you know, I didn't even ask my daughter what was going on because I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know. No more. My wife already ruined my night. My son's day was ruined. Yeah, I'm joking a little, but, you know, then we pray, oh, Jesus, help us bless this food. You know, it's like. What, what happens on a, on a daily basis is there's, there's, my kingdom is being invaded by your kingdom, and I don't like it. And my response is, is if it's anger, if it's what, if what, that's me, that's, that's me not submitted to the kingdom of God. So every day is a, is a battle to take Danny's kingdom and surrender it to God's kingdom so that when my wishes are dashed, there's not a response of anger. And, and what we're seeing in our community today is a bunch of little kingdoms and queendoms. People responding out of anger, hurting others, breaking into stores, stealing things, looting. Is that what God would want us to do in response to what we have seen? I don't think so. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is, there's got to be a yielding, a yielding. This is not a prayer, it's a path, a yielding of my kingdom. The only way that I'm going to bring peace into my home is if I take my kingdom as the husband and I surrender it to God's kingdom and the kingdoms of those around me so that there can be, there can be peace. The Apostle Paul took the words of Jesus and he put them in his own language in Romans chapter 6. Listen to this. Fantastic passage. Do not let any part of your body, mind, eyes, hands, feet, your sexual organs, everything, your whole body, no part, do not take any part of your body and allow it to become an instrument of evil. See, that's what happened in Genesis 3. The option to do wrong, remember their eyes were open, now they can see good and evil, now it became an option for them to sin. You have that option every day to take the parts of your body and yield them to the evil side, Satan, the influence of your sinful nature. Don't do that, Paul says. Instead, I want you to yield or give yourselves completely to God. Before you were Christ, you knew Christ, you were dead, but now you have new life. Why? What's the reasoning? Listen to what Paul says here. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. See, here's what we're really talking about. We're talking about making a choice to yield ourselves to God. 
for righteousness, to do good, to bring about good in this world, to go back to the original intent of what God had in mind in Genesis 1 for the glory of God and the betterment of humanity. That's what the prayer is. It's a path back to restoration, the restoration of all things. I hope this is sinking in. Think of a world where individuals made that choice. Not just to pray the prayer, but to live the prayer. What would such a world look like? Would you have to lock your doors at night in a world like that? Yes or no? Because you wouldn't fear somebody coming in and stealing your stuff or harming your family. So you wouldn't have to lock your doors or set the alarm. We set the alarm here at church every night, 10 o'clock. I wish we didn't have to do that, but we do. What would a world look like where people, individuals, all the individuals of that community or neighborhood was surrendered to the will of God? Might it look like people were loving their neighbors as themselves? Might it look like people would do unto others as they wish that they would do unto themselves? Might it look like people would even love their enemies? These are all things that sound pretty familiar, don't you agree? What are they? What are the teachings of Jesus? Do you know what the teachings of Jesus are? They're really the kingdom principles, the way the kingdom is supposed to operate and work. We we forgive those who have hurt us. We're committed sexually to our spouse or we're celibate if we're single. Principles of the kingdom. We would have to yield ourselves over to such, such principles. And then what would that world look like? Where would STB, what would happen to STDs? Would we even have an outbreak of sexually transmitted diseases in, in such a world where people were yielded to the kingdom of God? What would happen to, I don't know, say prostitution or kidnapping and sex slavery? Would that be a problem in our world today? Yes or no, if people were surrendered to the kingdom of God? No. Physical abuse would go away, violence would go away, crime would go away. In such a world, would you need a police force? How about a military? What about addictions? What about fear? Where would, what would happen to fear in a world where each individual person was choosing to surrender to the kingdom of God, saying, your kingdom come, not mine, your will be done, not mine. What would happen to anxiety and fear and worry in a world like that? Wouldn't they, wouldn't they vanish? Recently, I read a book called Living the Lord's Prayer by Albert Haas. I love the title because it's a prayer that we pray, but it's more of a path that we live, isn't it? We live the Lord's Prayer. Listen to what he says about the kingdom part. He says, the kingdom comes to realization when each one of us, key thought, each one of us individually engages the world engages the world to bring peace love and justice that sounds like something we do not something we pray do you agree when each one of us decides in my sphere of influence my little area of influence that i have say over i'm going to take that area it could be a classroom It could be a church, it could be an office, it could be a bedroom, it could be a 
Each one of us has a little kingdom or a queendom. If we take that area of influence and we surrender it or we yield it to the influence of God, we bring heaven to earth. Things in that area get done peaceably. They get done with truth. We treat people with respect. We treat people with dignity. There is love. There is mercy. There is forgiveness in that area. We don't have influence in the whole earth, but we have influence in our sphere, in our realm, in our territory. If each one of us did that, if that police officer in Minneapolis was doing that, would he have put his knee on that gentleman's neck, Mr. George Floyd, for eight minutes? That was his area. That was his realm of influence. Would he have done such a thing? Would, if he was cooperating with our father, saying, what should I do now? What should I do now? What should I do now with this gentleman who's on the ground? Do you see what happens when people obey the Lord's prayer? Do you see what happens? People live. They thrive. There's healing. There's love. There's justice. There's peace. The Lord's Prayer, hear me, it's not a prayer. It's a path that teachers need to take and pastors need to take and police officers need to take and stay-at-home parents need to take and mailmen need to take and politicians need to take. If each one of us takes that path, We live in a world of peace, love, and justice. People are asking today, how do we solve the problem of racism? How do we solve the problem of hatred? How do we, what do we do? Should we march? Should we loot? Should we make signs? Should we yell? Should we scream? Should we fight? No, we just live in the kingdom. You just step into the kingdom because then when you step in the kingdom, you do what God says and God's gonna say, hey, love your neighbors yourself. Treat others with respect and dignity. Do unto others as you wish they would do unto you. It solves the world's problems. Are you with me, yes or no? Come on, we've got to get this message out. The path of the prayer is a path of restoration. It's a path of healing to our world, starting in our hearts, spreading to our homes, to our businesses, and to our community. That's why it's a choice. Yielding is a choice. It's a prayer. It's a choice. It's more of a choice. Dallas Willard said it perfectly in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. He's got a chapter on prayer in here. It's just unbelievable. I wish everybody would read this. It's a tough read, but it's so worth your time. This is what he says about the prayer part, the kingdom part. He says, Dallas says, we have to surrender, which is another word for yield. The inmost reality of the self to God as expressed in Jesus and his kingdom. Your heart, your soul, your mind, the inmost part. We have to take it and yield it. We cannot use it, meaning the kingdom or God, while holding our inmost self back from it. What in the world does that mean? It means that You cannot publicly pray that God's will be done and kingdom come and, you know, as on earth. You cannot publicly do that and then also privately, secretly hold on to your own little kingdom and really be about yourself. 
You can do it. You will fool your husband, your wife, your kids. You, you will fool those around you for a while, but you will never fool God. Because he sees right through all of that and he knows whose kingdom you're really about. Whose will do you really want done? See, most of us, most of us Christ followers, we're at a position where we have faith in Christ, but we're holding on to our own kingdom and our own will. So we pray prayers like this. God, I really just hope that you will help me to advance my kingdom. (laughs) It's a sincere prayer. It's just a wrong prayer. God says you can't do it. I will not answer those types of prayers. We have to sincerely work ourselves to the point where we're saying, I surrender my will, my kingdom, to your will and to your kingdom. Jesus prayed this way for us. He did it. He showed us. He said in Mark chapter 14, when he's about ready to go to the cross, Abba, Father, remember we talked about it last week? All things are possible for you. If you can take this cup of suffering from me, please take it away right now. The part I didn't show you last week is the next phrase. Yet, I want your will to be done, not my own. You see the yielding there? We pray for things, we ask for things, but we say, God, only if it fits your will. If you've got a different plan, I want your will above my will. That is the yielding that must take place, and that is a choice, and that is a path that we all must take. You know, in 1 John chapter 5, it's no wonder John says what he says about prayer. Listen to these powerful words, 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, say it with me, according to his will. See, I have chosen, I have chosen to surrender my will to his will. If we ask anything according to his will, I'm teaching you how to pray right now. John is. He hears us. Watch this. And we know if, if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for. Wow. Think about that. Think about the confidence that we can have in prayer. Because I have asked according to his will. It's like a parent whose kids come to him or her and, and they say, Dad, can we do this? Mom, can we do this? And you already wanted to do it for them because that's what's good and right for them. The answer is going to be yes. Yes. Green light. Yes. Which begs the question then, how do we know what God wants? How do we know what God's will is? It's a big question. A lot of people get hung up on this. And the answer is so simple. I'm going I'm to help you here today. This is so good. It's this, this question right here can be so confusing. It's not. It's simple. You know what the answer is? Listening. You come to know God's will by listening. Listening. Jackie and I are getting ready to celebrate 21 years in August. Wow. Great lady, wonderful lady. And I can tell you, for the most part, what she wants. For our children, education-wise, and for their future spouses. And I can tell you a little bit about, you know, what she would like to do when we get older. You know, places she'd like to go. I could tell you about the home improvement projects that she would like to accomplish. Lots of those. Good thing that's my forte, right? Got a whole bunch of tools and saws and drills. 
I can't tell you 100% what my wife wants because you ladies, let's be honest, you guys are mysterious and you change, okay? So there's a factor there. There's a percentage of like, I don't know what the heck you want, lady. But, 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 for, but you can learn. You can learn. I learn because I listen. I ask questions. What do you think? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What's, what's, what, what do you see in the future? Now, if it works that way in a marriage, why wouldn't it work that way with God? And, and, and I'm telling you, it, it works that way with God. Every morning I wake up and I try to tell you guys this and say, you know, I read the scriptures not to educate myself, not to learn what the Bible says. That might happen as a result or default. But we're, we're listening. Well, God, what do you want? What's your heart for people? What's your heart for the world? What's your heart... For when it comes to money, what's, what's, what's your heart when it comes to sexuality? What's, what, 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 do you, what do you want? What's your desire? Listening. It's not complicated. It's not a mystery. God has revealed his will through this book. Some of you are like, well, I don't really have time to read and I'm so busy. Okay, then you forfeit. You forfeit the knowledge of what God wants in this world and what God wants for your life. That's a high price to pay for your busyness. We come to know God's will by listening. And then we just surrender to it. We yield to it. God, I want your will to be done in all these different aspects. I want it to look like that. I want to deal with my stress the way you say. I want to deal with worry the way you say. I want to deal with fear the way you talk about it. I want to deal with all of these issues in my life the way you have said to deal with them in the scriptures. And you end up living your life in the kingdom of God where there's joy and there's peace and there's satisfaction and fulfillment and true and lasting happiness. Let me ask you a tough question today as we wrap up. Whose kingdom are you living for? I mentioned earlier, Dallas Willard said, you cannot secretly hold on to your own kingdom and pray for God's kingdom to be advanced. You have to make a choice in your inmost being to surrender your desires, your will, your mind to the will of God. Whose kingdom? It's it's probably the most important question of your life. Another way to ask it is, what will you seek? Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. What will you seek? We all make that choice every day. My hope is that for me personally, I will choose to yield and to seek and align my life with the kingdom of God. And in doing so, find joy and peace, restoration, healing, be a blessing to my family, be a blessing to my community, this church, and maybe even to the world. You have to make your choice. You know, really, as I wrap up today, if Jesus were here, he would say to a certain percentage of us listening, would you like to enter in to the kingdom? Would you like to step into it? I came to bring the kingdom to you, life with God, life with me, filled with joy and peace. But you have to step into it. You don't get grandfathered in because you were born into a Christian family. You don't get in by going to church. You don't get in by getting baptized or taking communion. 
You have to step into the kingdom by faith, by putting your trust in me. And then Jesus would say, if he were here, I have made it completely possible for you to do that. I have died on a cross to remove the barrier between you and my heavenly father. Sin has been destroyed because of what I've done on the cross. Will you step in? Will you receive the forgiveness of sins and step into life with me and my father and my spirit? That's what Jesus would, Jesus would say. He would say it will be the satisfaction of your deepest desires, your hopes and your dreams. It's the life that you're looking for. One time Jesus said it like this. He said, the kingdom is like a man who found treasure in a field, big pot of gold, and he covered up that pot and he left and he went home and he sold every one of his possessions so he can have the cash to purchase the field. Not for the field, but for the treasure in the field. That's the value that Jesus put on the kingdom. It is the greatest life possible. Will you step into it today by, by putting your faith in Christ? I hope so. I'm gonna say a simple prayer. You can take these words, you can make them, in your, make them your own and trust in Christ today. Will you pray with me? Just say this to him, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to turn from living in my kingdom to living in yours. I believe you died on the cross for my sin to remove the guilt and the shame of all my wrongdoing. I ask you to wash me, cleanse me of all my sin. I trust you today. Be my savior. And from this day forward, teach me to live in your kingdom, to seek your kingdom, to know your will, to desire your will above my own, to align my life with what you want in this world. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church wants to celebrate with you, amen. We've put together a little gift for you. It's, it's called our saved box. The Bible says for all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, saved from their sins, the penalty of sin, the power of sin. If you just prayed that prayer, we'd love to put one of these boxes in your hands. Inside is a New Testament. There's some instructions on how to get involved in our church. And there's also a little cup in here uh, as a gift from us to you. So text the word saved to 65248. We will make sure to get one of these in your hands. Can we give God glory one more time, church? Amen. I think, I think if I would leave you with one last thought, it's just something I need to repeat. The prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, is not just a prayer. It is a path, and I hope you take it. I hope you take it, because you'll bring peace to your own life, and you'll bring peace to everybody else around you. Is that a fair challenge? Whose kingdom are you living for? Will you pray with me? God, I've done my best to try to get what I think you want said to our world in this present moment. It's what we needed to hear. Help us to step into it, to live in your kingdom, to yield our little queendoms and kingdoms to your leadership so that we can see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Let us be your hands and your feet. Let us be your mouthpiece. Let us be your eyes. Let us be your heart to our hurting world. May we be part of the solution to bring restoration and healing to our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. I cannot wait to see you next week. We're starting a brand new series, so make sure you bring your friends, and we'll see you next week. God bless.